0: what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: Footcandle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Footcandle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is our show here on the TV. We talk about movies. We have some discussions about some latest films. We like to also give our recommendations of films we think you ought to be checking out online or renting somehow. Uh, and then we might even throw in a little movie news today. Although, Chris, today I do not think we'll have that much movie news. You I, know why? I think we've got stuff it's because it's summer movie season right. we have got so many re- movies to review we've actually got three main reviews to go through today we're actually
2: watching another movie and we're going to review that as well there's while one on we're the doing screen right behind
1: now. us so we're going to be constantly <laughs> just reviewing <laughs> more movies as we go you're right uh yeah, today is going to be kind of a big show big summer movies we got three big big named big blockbuster movies to talk about uh, but before we get into our show and talk about what films we're going to be reviewing just a reminder this is foot candle films this is our ongoing podcast here on the TV, where we put out this show Uh, about twice a month right now Uh, you can go back on the mesh.tv and listen to any past show we've put out you can go all the way back to the beginning listen to every movie review discussion we've had since we started this show and this is all put together by our film society foot candle film society where you can learn a little bit more about the film society at footcandle.org that's where you can see upcoming screenings that we're hosting in our area but also some online discussions and these podcasts uh, that we're recording are available there as well so chris the three films we're going to review today on today's show since it is the big summer movie season we've got three big movies to talk about okay first up will be the latest superman film man of steel followed by the latest brad pitt zombie fest world war z and then rounded out finally by the apocalyptic and let me make sure i can say that right apocalyptic that's actually gonna be a word that's gonna come up a lot in several of our reviews today i think apocalyptic comedy this is the end i'm really expecting us to have some interesting conversations with all three because i know my opinion's are all over the place on okay. these three films. Excellent. Uh, we may throw in a little bit of movie news or a little bit of uh, teasing on something else coming down the pike. And then we are always going to end up like we do with our online film recommendations. All this on this episode of Foot Candle Films. So, Chris, you ready to get started? Yes. You got your water or drink or coffee in front of you? <laughs> you ready to go? Uh, yes, I did. Awesome. So, first review it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a big budget CGI extravaganza from the man who brought us Sucker Punch. Let's discuss the latest film adaptation of the Superman story in Man of Steel.
0: My name is General Zod. I have
2: journeyed across an ocean of stars to reach you. Your world has sheltered one of my citizens. He will look like you,
0: but he is not one of you. To those of you who know of his location. The fate of your planet rests in your hands.
2: To Kal-El, I say this. Surrender within 24 hours or watch this world suffer the consequences.
1: So, Chris, I am unabashedly a fan of the 1978 Superman film, the one that stars Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman. Okay, Got you you're familiar with it yes also has otis right it does yes ned Beatty turning in a <laughs> stellar stellar performance as otis yes uh you know that film came out in 78 i was six years old at the time okay. so that really kind of hit me in the i'm a little kid just eating up going to the theater now it, sure. was the, it was like five or six years old when you really start going to the movie theater and kind of looking forward to big movies i'm six years old i can still remember going to see this movie in the movie theater cool I remember being a little bored in the opening of the film because, you know, it's a lot of the origin story, Krypton, Jor-El, the Phantom Zone. It got a little boring, like the first 30, 40 minutes or so. But then I remember just completely loving it by the time Superman came to Metropolis and started being a superhero. Gotcha. Everything, once he put on the cape, when he put on the tights, I'm sold. The rest of the film's great. Okay. Now that film came out in 78. We've had three sequels. Each of those with somewhat diminishing returns, although I will say Superman 2 I was to say, is really, really close. Yeah. Really close to the original, but then 3, 4 just plummeted down. 3 was Richard
2: Pryor? That was the Richard
1: Pryor one. Okay. Fourth one was the uh, Quest for n- Peace. Okay. With where like he, nuclear? Nuclear dude? man. Okay. Yes. Something the anti-Superman. Like yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw the <laughs> fourth one. But okay. Wow. Yeah, they were, they were rough. Um, and then we had kind of an unsuccessful, quote, I'm using the air quotes, reboot, unquote, by Brian Singer, which technically wasn't even a reboot. It was really supposed to be a continuation of the original Superman film. But it was just, it was very disappointing. It was a right. big letdown, didn't really do too much. Any plans for it being the reboot that they were looking for for the Superman franchise kind of got thrown out the window. Sure. So now it's time to bring Superman back to the big screen. And we've got it here with Man of Steel. Now, the director is Zack Snyder. He who has brought us Dawn of the Dead, Three Hundred. Watchmen and Sucker Punch. Okay, so I'm fifty percent right now. Fifty percent. You liked Watchmen?
2: Oh no, no, no. no. Well, okay. I I I did like Watchmen. I was going to say what I've
1: seen. Oh, seeing this. Okay, all right. So you've seen half of his films, his filmography so far. Well, okay. My my youngest son Nick is six years old.
2: He probably, hopefully, has not seen Watchmen.
1: No, no, no. He hasn't. (laughs) But I did take my I did take Nick to go see Man of Steel. Gotcha. All right, because you know, I was six years old when I went to go see Superman. I thought, Man of Steel, let's take Nick to Let's see it. do it. Sure. So my, uh, my question to you, Chris, try to put yourself in Nick's, who you know, my son Nick. I do. Try to put yourself in his shoes. He was actually a guest on uh, New Stuff. That's right, he, he was. was. He's yeah. a budding podcaster Other podcast. himself. So my question to you is, do you think my six-year-old Nick... Do you think he had anywhere close to the same emotional response to the 1978 film that I did at six years old based on what you saw?
2: I, I think he probably had a pretty good reaction with the exception of I don't think he would have been as bored with what you were describing as kind of the restlessness with some of the, mm-hmm. the setup stuff. I was very impressed with this film because I felt like, you know, they're, they're trying to do a couple of things. You know, they're they're trying to be original, tell a good story and make a lot of money. Okay. But they're also having to straddle that line between somehow telling the backstory for maybe some people that have magically escaped not knowing anything about Superman and how he came to the earth, you know, Mm -hmm. or maybe didn't see those original movies you're talking about and didn't see the reboot that they tried to do. Like, so they're trying to do some education, but yet they're also trying to make a good movie and trying to satisfy everybody who's already seen all those movies and try to do something new. And I felt like what they did was a perfect smashing together of the original 1978. Okay, the original movie and then the second movie and slamming those two together and making a perfect, air quotes, I guess, reboot. But yet they still had enough original material in there that me having seen both of those movies, I was still interested in it. It was different enough. And actually, I'll throw in, it was kind of an interesting parallel in my mind while I was watching the movie to Star Trek in the darkness, because you know, that movie, as we discussed in previous episode, you know, it was basically touching on things of wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. And this movie obviously was touching on the whole Phantom zone characters and general Zod, which we'll get to him in a second. And I, I enjoyed the way they were like, okay, well, we're just not going to tell an origin story and basically waste a whole movie for those who already know the origin story because it would be kind of boring, in my opinion. And we're not just going to remake the second movie. We're going to do both. And I think they did both pretty well. And for me not being a Superman fan, going on record, more of a Batman guy than a Superman guy, I, I liked this movie. I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining. And good for a good entry into the Superman franchise. And I think it seems like Superman is kind of cursed when it comes to being on the big screen and being successful. They never, I I think they could easily make a sequel off this one, even though box office returns have gone down and, you know, people are, I mean, I guess because they didn't answer the question, how does Superman shave? Um, I guess because they didn't answer that. And they, you know, you know, they have all this set up in commercials for that. And then the movie credits were rolling. I was like, dude. How does Superman shave? I mean, I was troubled by this. No, I wasn't. But if anything, I think the promotion at you know Gillette and all these mm-hmm. other things that we're doing with promotion for Superman that started months before the movie ever came to the screen, and you know, toys were at Walmart and toy, you know, just all that, I think a lot of people were kind of sick of it before it actually came to the screen, mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with the movie. It's not the movie's fault. It's just you know the machine's fault. So there. So there you go. So how did how did you respond to it, Alan? <laughs> well, how well, did how did Nick first of all well, tell me how did first Nick respond? Off,
1: how sensitive are these microphones? Can it can you hear me, <laughs> just breathing so intensely heavy <laughs> on this side of the mic, ready to like go after you on this? Because wow. I'm sorry, this movie sucked. Wow, okay. wow. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Let me let me wow. backtrack. That's uh, if the film cut and broke, like the projector broke halfway through. I'd walk away saying, you know what? It was okay. It was a pretty good movie. I'm sorry, but the second half of this film just killed it killed it for me hmm. if i wanted to watch basically transformers level destruction for oh. 45 minutes no oh. it was horrible horrible oh, i disagree all right. the right first half of this film i think does a pretty good job of setting things up i'm okay. buying it i'm digging it i'm digging it to him getting to earth i'm here i'm, I'm with it doing the flashbacks back to him as a kid i'm, I'm <laughs> loving all that okay it's working great i've got high hopes at this point but then we start into the action sequences and i tell you this guy Zack snyder just does not know what to do with these things It's just basically let's have them throw each other into buildings for 30 minutes and let's make the action sometimes so incoherent where you don't know what's going on and we've got something going on with planet reshaping morphing or something but then there's this other thing going on and it's kind of hard to tell what's happening i mean at that point i've just got a headache for the whole last 45 minutes of this film hmm. it really really disappointed me to the point where honestly if the film had broke halfway through and i was told that i was just gonna get my money back i'd say no you can keep it that was a pretty good half of a movie i'm okay with that hmm. the second half man what a huge huge letdown for me and i was really looking forward to this i mean i right. i i i'm not a huge superman fan but i do love the the mythology i like the big america's superhero and kind of this big larger than life character that that we all know the origin story for and i love anytime people can take a different spin on it sure i really liked what they did with the backstory and how they introduced it to us but god just this second half of this movie just killed it for me absolutely killed it
2: well and i can understand i mean i'd I clearly, <laughs> mm-hmm. I clearly like the film a lot more than than you, but I will not give it a pass and say that I just think it was wonderful. I mean, I guess I am giving it a pass, but I'm not just going to say it was flawless. Okay, I will agree that the the action sequences, you know, I guess they just have to be this way today in today's world. They did get to be kind of cluttered what and kind of too. schizophrenic a little bit. But I will say, I felt like you let's let's say there were there are a couple of set pieces, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of big action sequences. And I felt like there's one specifically between Superman that takes place on kind of a, it's kind of like a high noon setup where he's facing off against one of the women
1: from the Phantom Zone. I can't remember her name, but um, I thought that one could have been deleted. (laughs) Well, it could have been deleted, but honestly, that was at least the easiest battle scene for me to follow. Okay. Well, you know, even though it was not a great battle scene, it was kind of extra. It just really didn't have to be there. At least it was the one that, you know, I I could follow a little bit, but even during that, scene which happens right about in the middle of the movie okay as I'm watching that action scene I'm like oh boy this is this is not a good precursor for where we're going because it started to go into that over-the-top mm-hmm. drawn-out long action sequence at least that one was done a little bit better than I think what we had in the whole last 30 minutes well and see i I thought that one was
2: kind of boring. and I didn't really see the point of it. The ones in the last 30 minutes, I felt like as crazy as they could have been. And yes, they are kind of all over the place, schizophrenic, hard to follow. But I was able to follow them and I felt like they could have been a lot worse. And the two that I'm kind of referencing here to give you a reference mm-hmm. for, we're kind of referencing the same thing. But for our listeners, there's one where there's a machine that's trying to mess up the earth. Okay. That one I felt like was for the most part handled okay. And then there's a battle between, no big surprise, this is an action movie, between Superman and a main character, General Zod. Yes. Okay. And that one I, I felt like was handled pretty well because they are both very superpowered people. And what are they going to do but be throwing each other into buildings? And there were pullbacks where you could see what happened. And, yeah, it's kind of repetitive. But it's like, well, both of these guys are really strong. Both of them are technically invincible. So, yeah, they're going to be able to keep doing all this really abusive stuff to one another. And survive. like, I don't know. I I felt like it was what I – But I kind of would expect to see in a Superman movie, you know, because he's kind of limited as to what cool things he can. I don't know. I think
1: I just think there could have been a more creative way to to give us action in this kind of movie without it just being, okay. person A takes person B and throws him to a building. (laughs) Okay, now person B is going to pick up person A and throw him into a building. Right. And we do that for about 20 minutes. It just it was just too much I'm sorry. I, I think well, I think filmmakers today that are are given these big budgets and these big action set pieces to try to put together, it's just let's go crazy with the CGI and let's not try to worry about actually having people act on anything. And even Michael Shannon, who does play General Zod. I thought he was outstanding. Well, I think he was good with what he was given. I don't think he was given a whole lot. But mm-hmm. I think he did his best with it. I enjoyed it when he was on scene, on screen. But, you know, there again, the last 20 minutes, it's not really him we're watching. It's a CGI mm-hmm. version of him Absolutely. being thrown around. So it really lost a lot of the impact for me.
2: Well, um, let me let me ask mm-hmm. you another pretty important question. Talking about how you liked Michael Shannon when he was given something to do.
1: But then, yeah, you're right. A lot of times it's just a CG thing. It's just snarl at the camera and yell. And that was about it. But when he did those things, he was awesome. Right. It was just, you know, Well, how did you feel about Henry Cavill being Superman? I liked him. And see here again. Okay. I, here's, here's, let me go through my life. You got to compare the two. I want to go through my likes sure, Cause I'll tell you, absolutely. I thought the casting with one exception was great. I thought Henry Cavill was good. Okay. Now, granted again, I don't think he's given as much to work with. Okay. And I think he was only given a couple moments where he could show any charm at all. But when he was able to show it, he's very charming. He's a very good Superman. Unfortunately, the Superman that was written in this movie was boring. (laughs) He was a boring Superman. Most of the stuff happened around him as opposed to actually him happening with it. And I think think that was a
2: strength of the movie because – I think Superman is boring. And so that's why for me, like you don't, you make he has entered like his father who's played by Russell Crowe, Jor-El, mm, right? Mm-hmm. He was a very interesting character. Zod is very interesting to me. And those are interesting people. So I didn't mind them kind of in a way taking over, taking the, over the movie Hell. because to me, Superman, like you know, his origin or if you don't, you're given it in the movie and he's just not that he's so perfect and so Mr. Like America and I do everything by the book that he's not that interesting to me, I will say, and let me let you, I'll let mm-hmm. you get back to your strengths, mm-hmm. but I was just commenting on Cabo. Sure, I'll go ahead. Um, one of the strengths of this movie too for me was that Superman, towards the final bit of the film, he has to make a choice.
1: Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. About
2: doing something. And for those who follow the comic books, there's a difference, fundamental difference between how Superman handles things mm-hmm. and how Batman handles things.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's kind of forced to take a very Batman type approach to something. Oh,
1: are you and, and by doing mm-hmm.
2: that, mm-hmm. he is clearly like, it rocks his world. And really? for, I thought it did. Does and it, for me to see, that, I was like, man, that's awesome. Because it's like, he doesn't have a choice, but the way he has to handle something. And it's kind of in the moment and everything. And I was like, wow, that's really cool that he had to do it that way. And I can't reveal too much without kind of
1: spoiling. So you've got that in your positive column?
2: Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I Can like I see the force notes that he had, had to make, sure had to make more of up a on Batman decision than a Superman uh, decision. So.
1: <laughs> well, let me get back to my likes. Sure, that, sure, sure. Because that part was certainly that was a not, negative. That okay. was not in my likes sure, column. Sure, sure, I liked Henry Cavill as Superman. I thought he was good. I wish he was given a little more ability to be charming. And I'll get to that in a minute. Because sure. I think that was probably a flaw with the movie. The way it was scripted in general. I do like the fact that it was more sci fi than the other Superman films have been. Oh man. Because you know, Superman's opening, origin is like truly or sci fi. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. And I really liked the expansive story on Krypton. I, I thought did the too. whole Krypton thing was really good. I did too. By the end of the Krypton sequence, I'm like, I'm totally digging this you movie. You just
2: wanted it to totally take place on Krypton. Well, I could have been happy <laughs> with have. that. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I could see that. The fact that they embrace that Superman is a sci-fi story. Absolutely. And the other movies kind of got the sci-fi out of the way in the first 10, 15 minutes and then let you just be guy in a cape doing some, some fun things. Now my – well, I get to a dislike about sure. the same idea. Sure, but anyway, sure. the first sure, sure. hour of the film, hour to 15 minutes, I'm still digging it. Okay. Gotcha. So from a like standpoint, they had the right elements in there. It was a good sci-fi story. Great e- opening expedi- e- exploratory st- storyline going on. Sure. I thought the casting was really good, except for one. I can't and wait I'll get to, get to find out the, who that is. And I'll get to in the dislikes. <laughs> it's a mystery. Um, so you know, it had all the right elements. Got you. Everything's good at this point. So then we get to the areas where it just didn't work. I already mentioned the last half of the film. That's my biggest hang-up, is just the last 45 minutes, the hour. And it's, the huge, and it, bloated, over-the-top the action, action sequences, sequences just and I, I, miny, I, I, I hear...
2: I hear your complaint and I I can't totally dismiss it because I can totally see where you're coming from.
1: Well, and the fact is, too, I mean, wasn't that it was just so much over the top CGI action that was like, so just give you a headache. And this is going to sound so I always try to tell people, you know what? It's just a movie. Don't get bent out of shape about what you perceive or what you see or, you know, it's all just make believe stuff. But at the same time, the level of destruction that took place in the final part of this film and Superman doesn't seem to care at all about the fact that thousands hmm. of people probably died. That's interesting. During this last half, this last battle scene. Well, yeah. I mean, you got buildings toppling over. You're referencing all over. the thing with Zod going. Oh my on. god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the last scene again. No spoiler here. I mean, Superman prevails. Okay, I think we are okay saying that to yes. some degree. Absolutely. At the last, one of the last scenes is you've got the last remaining characters standing in looks like a giant crater where most of the city has been leveled. You've got wanton destruction for miles and miles behind Which, you. And they God, go up to Superman and say, you saved us. And I'm thinking, really? Because <laughs> it kind of looks like thousands of people probably just died in the last mm-hmm. half hour. That really bugged me. And I mean, I, I don't know why I'm so hung up on it. I don't normally get bothered by tons of violence or, or decimation of cities in a, in, a, in a movie. But I guess the fact well. that this is Superman and he's so upset during that pivotal scene you described about it having to make a choice to save three people and he's so tormented about this choice he has to make to save these three people. But yet I guarantee you hundreds, if not thousands of people have just died well, during this fight. And you're scene thinking,
2: the you're thinking way too much about it, which I understand. Uh, yeah, it's I a am. summer, I it's am. a summer movie, but you're right. you're right. I had not taken that into consideration. I was treating it like the Avengers scene in the Avengers movie where they're like doing the same type crazy True. destruction all over the place. But yeah, you
1: know, in the Avengers, the aliens are attacking the aliens, they're attacking and you don't see, you don't think the Avengers, the Avengers are, are trying, any habit, they're trying, trying to close to, up stuff. And yeah, I'm sure they're affected by it. They're yeah, bothered think, by all the wanton destruction going on, but it just didn't seem anywhere close to the level what we saw with this film at the end. I, I, I just think I,
2: I, I hear that. And especially you're talking about the juxtaposition between the choice that I was talking about. I, you know, in retrospect, thinking about it now. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really I just made
1: you turn on this. No, it, yeah, no, you no, still no, like no, it. No, no, I still I've like, got it. Just I, still like about that, I still
2: like that moment. But does that moment resonate now as much if I think, if I kind of explore
1: the points of the movie? And I'll tell you, Chris, too, about that ending controversial decision. Okay, I'm not bothered by the decision that had to be made, the choice he had to make. I actually thought that was a very human thing to do. There's two problems I have with it. One, nowhere in the film do we get to see Superman being a hero until this big fight scene. Now think about this for a second. He lands. How about the school bus? No, no, yes, he's a kid. He's not Superman. Okay, I'm talking about like in the case. He's made courageous decisions. He's made decisions, absolutely. And I'm saying like he puts on the suit and he's ready to be Superman. We don't ever see him being the superhero guy. Basically the next time we see him wearing a costume, he's surrendering himself to the army because General Zod wants Superman and wants to arrest him and and, and hand him over to him. So you I wanted had, to see more of him dressed up in the suits. A little around. bit, just man, a little I, bit.
2: I'm so glad that I didn't see that. Cause if you've well, seen that hundreds of times. I,
1: I wanted to see a little bit just to know that he was already being respected as somebody who was putting human life above his own. Hmm. And I just never got that sense with him. Hmm. And so when he makes that decision at the end and he's so tormented by this decision he has to make, it rang a little false for me. Wow. I didn't quite get on it. And then huh. problem number two, the very next scene is the one source of humor we've got in the movie where he brings down a satellite in front of the army guy and is like, no, oh, you're not going to need that. There's more
2: and he's to chuckling
1: and... about it. And kind of this, it's the first time we see him be the charming Superman, which I'm fine with that coming at the end. We get a little bit of that. But it was just weird to go from the scene where he's very upset and very tormented to the very next scene. Hi, I'm Superman and I'm Mr. Charming okay. and saying something funny. The so. scene the scene you're describing with the humor, that
2: was the worst scene in the movie for me. You didn't like that. No, I thought the, the dialogue was horrible. A, because they, what the F are you doing? And I'm not leaving it out. That's how they phrased it in the movie. It just was dumb and yeah. it was really silly. The charming that you're describing that was in some of the old films, but as a kid, it didn't bother me. That's the kind of thing. If it had been in films nowadays, or if it was in this movie, I would have hated it. Cause it, mm. that kind of cutesy, charming stuff irritated me. There were some little drops of humor that I thought specifically Very the few. one, but I, I like that. Cause I don't like, you know, me, yeah. I like my movies separate, just like they're on a little TV tray. My comedies are over here. <laughs> my action movies are over here. Chris's, I don't want my food or movies mixing together. This is movie
1: TV tray. That's love right. it.
2: So, um, but I liked the one time when he was being interrogated. There again, he turns himself in, like you're talking about. And I'm guessing this is the character that you don't like, Amy Adams playing Lois Lane. Wow, and I, I I liked her.
1: Uh, Um, And I'll tell you why I don't like her in a minute. But go ahead. But
2: she, you know, they're kind of discussing things back and forth, and she's like, "What?" You know, and he said. What's up with the S on the chest? He's like, "Uh, It's not an S. It stands for hope. And she's like, Well, you're on Earth. It's an S. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like, that's the kind of stuff that I really respected because it gives you some origin stuff, but yet it tries to, it's like bringing it up today. It's a very reboot type thing, but it was kind of cleverly done. And it was just enough humor without being like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like some big punchline that people are going to be like saying back and forth to each other. I really appreciated it. And it referenced older movies, but yeah, I really. Thought that was really cool because that's something that, like I say, I struggle with Superman because his costume is kind of dumb to me, flying (laughs) around like. And they did a good job modernizing it and saying it's not as much of a costume as how this is everybody back on Krypton. This is how they dressed and they like. Like I oh, no, just no, thought I, that
1: all that stuff was really again, good, and I, I,
2: like, I appreciate that piece of humor. So.
1: I enjoyed the mythology setting up of it. I sure. really did. And believe me, I, 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 I think this is a much more thought-out Superman story than what we've had in the past, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I just wish that they could have done I, – I wish they could have done the ending action more justice, make it more of something you really get inspired and excited about. I mean, my kids got bored in that last bit. Really? Even yeah. with the action sequences yeah, and stuff? Yeah, because it was just too much. I mean, it was just – at the end it was just your your mind's kind of throbbing your head it was just too much and i think that was the problem for the kids well my my son my 11 year old was loving this up until really deep into the action scene even when the action stuff really started getting heavy at the end he's like oh this is awesome but then by the end he's like oh yeah it just kind of went on too long at the end i'm like yes it did (laughs) so you know that's my the ending was tough i didn't really care for amy adams in the movie and i only reason is i liked the way they wrote lois as a character i liked her being more of a I'm a true journalist and I'm going to yeah. go out there and find things. I just, I thought she wasn't a good fit for it because I guess she so thought she was miscast. Yeah. I think she brought too much of her own Amy Adams persona to it. Huh. I would have really liked to have had somebody new, somebody unknown, somebody who could really craft this out and make this their own. Hmm. I just, Amy Adams was a big name a big name to throw right in the midst of it. Yeah. And then they, they used her as just a go between between Superman and jor like through most of the film, which I didn't really care for either. She became basically a way for jor to communicate what was going on. She has to share that with Superman. Now she has to go back and get this from Jor-El. It was back and forth a little too much. I, Again, I ca- but that all happened in the second half.
2: And I kind of but- like that because... It got Russell Crowe some more screen time, and the way that was handled instead of him just being in the first. Yeah, that I didn't mind.
1: I actually liked the fact that he was a little more obvious.
2: Right. And his commit, he gets to have a, I guess you could call it, a confrontation with Zod. I mean, he. It's, yeah. And I thought that was interesting. You know, it, was it was interesting.
1: Oh, and I, the one touch I really liked is when. Jorel is basically educating his son on the history of Krypton and they do this really cool effect oh, yeah. with like almost like moving sculptures yep. and Mural things. Type things. yeah and that, right. that yeah. was awesome that was yeah. probably my favorite visual effect in the whole film right so there was a, there was a lot going in good for this film it's just You know, you leave thinking about the last bit of the film you saw and that last half hour to 45 minutes just killed it for me. Absolutely killed it. Got me so mad almost and disappointed walking out of the theater at that point. So it sounds like, and and, you know, honestly, the conversation we're having from what I'm reading online is a conversation a lot of critics are having. Some really liked it. Some really hated it. It's a very divisive film right now. Hmm. It's not doing as great box office wise. So whether they bring Zack Snyder back for a sequel, I don't know. They had hoped that this would be the springboard for like a big Justice League movie, and it still could be, but I think think the box office is really going to dictate whether or not people are really gelling with this movie or not.
2: I I, Do you agree that it's a better reboot than Superman Returns? Oh, absolutely.
1: Okay. Better reboot. Now, I think Superman Returns at moments was better filmmaking. Okay. It was just a more boring film. (laughs) Agreed. That... I think they went completely the other end of the spectrum with this. It was almost over-the-top action and stuff. Somewhere in the middle, there's a good Superman movie. (laughs) If you take some of the better elements of Superman Returns, add in the whole first hour of Man of Steel, and then give it a really good end action sequence, Hmm. you'd have a perfect Superman movie, I think. We're not quite there yet in my mind. From what
2: you've read online, are the chances of a Justice League
1: movie now... Non-existent. Know. Yeah, it's hard to say, and I think they're still watching to see what the box office does. But I mean, there are still planning a Man of Steel two with Zack Snyder planning on directing. Really, I'm nervous about that. But I will say there's there's enough in this movie to make me curious about a sequel. Well, but I hope they rein it in and hope they just don't go over the top with what they did in this one. And
2: I, Zack Snyder alone, I kind of hinted at. I think he's interesting. Have I cared? You know, 300, I wasn't that really big on. Watchmen, I liked okay, but there were definitely some problems. I don't really like him as a director. Yeah. But I think he's I'm interesting. Some not, like, not like him. I will say that um, the strengths for me were the fact that Michael Shannon was odd. Also, Damon Lindelhoff helped write the script. And I, I think pretty much anything that he has a hand in, I think I'm going to go see because he did. Oh, wait. No, he didn't do this. He did something else. Sorry. That's another review. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Uh, Lindehoff did, did World War Z, so we'll talk yes, about that in a minute. We'll talk about that. Sorry. Yeah,
1: you kind of threw me there for a yeah, second. All I'm, right. Yeah. Sorry. No. Um, uh, Christopher like Nolan, Nolan.
2: Nolan. Yeah, yeah. That's the tangent. I'm go. I want to go. Do
1: I, you want to hear something interesting, though? Yes. I've read that Christopher Nolan personally did not approve of the ending of this film. And you know what I'm talking about, the controversial scene you were describing. Really? Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. The choice scene. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's supposedly out in all the news markets is that Christopher Nolan did not like that e- ending, did not like that scene, was very vocal about not caring for it, but they went with it anyway. Huh. I thought that was interesting. Interesting. No, the very first half of the movie was very Christopher Nolan-like. I could definitely see his touches on the film. Right. I think the flashback sequences, I think some of the mood. Yeah, I could see Christopher Nolan's fingerprints all over it. But the last half looked nothing to me like well, what he normally would do. I hope that he'll have something to do with the sequel. I hope he has more to do with the sequel because I have a feeling he was more involved in the first half of this film hmm. and that's the big Chris Rinald's not a huge over-the-top action guy no he's not so that's where when this thing started to go off the rails I think he had a little less control in that part of the script than he did at the beginning so hmm.
2: okay Ooh.
1: we still got two <laughs> more reviews to do Chris I, know. We
2: gotta pace, pace ourselves.
1: <laughs> I knew this one was gonna be a big one though. that's okay I gave us a little more time on this one Overall, a little divisive conversation here. Chris was more in favor of it than I expect him to be. I was less pleased with it than he was probably expecting me to be. We were both a little on opposite ends there. But Man of Steel, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. A lot of mixed opinions out there from what I can pick up on. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts both on any of the individual scenes or aspects of the film we talked about or just in general who do you agree with more or are you somewhere in the middle on this thing? We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to visit us on vmesh.tv. There's a contact form. You can drop us a note or you can go to FootCandle.org where you can see what our film society's up to and jump in the conversation there as well. And I guess we'll both be putting our star ratings for this on Letterboxd.com, which we Absolutely. encourage you to check out as well. So, Chris, let's move on to our second film. Uh, it's Brad Pitt. He's here to save us from the zombie apocalypse in World War Z.
0: Terry, Terry, what is this? It's the same worldwide. Is anyone doing better than we are? We don't know. I need you to help him. You're asking me to leave my family. I'm not gonna force you. Don't pretend you're not well suited for the job. Tell the kids I'm coming back. Just know I'm coming back.
2: Alan, you like watching trailers.
1: I do like watching trailers, yes. I I feel guilty when I watch them because I should not base a movie on the trailer, but I do anyway. But
2: sure, sure. You often seek them out, and then you'll like tell me, "Hey, you should check this one out." Sometimes yes. I do some. Okay, let's stick back in time to okay. six months ago. Yes, you are sitting in the theater, awaiting the start of Django and Lights go down, and a trailer starts for this movie. And I'm going to describe to you the trailer that could have been there. Mm-hmm. It would have said, you know, dun dun dun, from the director of Finding Land, Neverland, Stranger <laughs> Than Fiction, and Monsters Ball. And then the next the next <laughs> credit says. And from the mind of the son of the man who gave you space balls and oh, blazing saddles comes World War Z. I'm
1: totally, okay. I'm buying my ticket right there. <laughs> okay.
2: You've been like, yes. Okay. So considering your thoughts with how they would have been, well, let's just ask yeah. a realistic question. With the trailer that you did see, yeah. probably starting up to be six months ago, because I've seen just over and over again. With that trailer in mind, how did you feel differently or did you feel the same when you walked out of this movie I'll tell you honestly
1: and, and, sure. and again the trailer has been out for a while and it's a much derided trailer rightfully so because I thought the trailer made this film look horrible mainly because the CGI of these zombies like as a swarm and building towers to climb walls just look preposterous it just looked sure. ridiculous I'm like you know what this is going to be a mind numbing CGI fest like the last 40 minutes of Man of Steel <laughs> and i like I'm really not looking forward to this movie okay I love the walking dead. I'm not a huge zombie fanatic of the, the film genre, but I do love the TV show. So I know they're okay. kind of writing a little bit of that same sure. zombie enthusiasm. So I'm willing to give the film an open mind because I do like the walking dead. And I thought this had a little bit of similarity to it uh, from what I could see, but the trailer man did not look good at okay. all. I will tell you though, I came out of this movie pleasantly surprised. I actually thought this movie rose above what it could have been. Okay. Um, In a way, it actually gave me the anti-Man of Steel in that the last 30, 40 minutes were a very small, intimate Hmm. action scene or action set as opposed to a big blockbuster one. I can see that. um, Which I appreciated. Uh, I can't say that the ending was great, but I did like the fact that they didn't go all, let's just throw every CG animator we've got at this and develop a giant, big action scene, which they could have done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Overall, I, you know, the whole film basically covers a zombie outbreak and I love Mm -hmm. the fact that it really does start within the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's, it started and there's not a whole lot of, well, this is what happened and this is how this got to be. You know, it's basically like, oh crap, you know, we're in the middle of New York, (laughs) New York city and people are starting to turn into zombies and that's it. Sure. Um, I appreciated that. I appreciated them throwing us right in the mix of things. And I appreciate the fact that the CGI scenes we did see in the film we're pretty much the same ones we saw in the trailer. There weren't a whole lot beyond the trailer. Hmm. Um, they really minimized this big action set piece sequence for more intimate stuff, more one-on-one, more personal danger and drama, which I really liked. That's more of the kind of action films I like anyway. Sure. So you know what? It's not a perfect film. There's a lot of issues with it still. But I, compared to what I had going into this thing, I thought it was really good. I thought it was a good surprise. What do you think?
2: I was along the same lines. You and I discussed it off air, kind of mockingly like, oh, that trailer looks so horrible. It did. And all it looked like was a CGI fest. Yes. And I had absolutely no interest in seeing it. But then you and I decided, you know what? Why don't we do three movies? You know, it's it's getting decent reviews. Let's go see it. And I was like, okay. I Yeah, I am totally surprised that I like it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. and. Basically, like you're saying, they took a summer blockbuster and made the decision. It's not going to be about the effects. The effects are going to be in there, Mm -hmm. but we're more concerned. And actually, it's not a scare and horror movie type thing, which
1: with zombies you would figure maybe it would be kind of. Very little of that. But it was more of a contagion, more world epidemic type of thing, which I I liked more. I actually thought, you know, let's spend a little bit more time trying to figure out – where this came from and how different countries are dealing with it.
2: And it was more of a mystery, which I appreciate, Mm -hmm. which I did not expect at all. And I really i am along the same lines with you. I really enjoyed the mystery aspect of it and responded to that a lot more than, you know, I do other
1: zombie movies. I think overall I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, yeah, there's a few misgivings with it. I still feel like the CGI scenes we did have of all the zombies was still kind of dodgy. It, if you spent too much time on them, which they didn't luckily. Right. Um, the whole way these zombies moved and the swarming mentality, I still didn't buy, and I still thought was kind of hokey. Hmm. But at least the way it was presented in the film, it made more sense. Okay, it did not bother me to see a giant pile of zombies building on top of each other to make to scale a wall. The way it was handled in the film and the way it wove into the story, it made sense. It made
2: sense. I felt like it did, and they yeah. kind of
1: explained too.
2: It's more grounded and. I guess i mean it 's it's movie reality it 's not reality, but it 's movie reality about it being basically a hyped up hybrid of rabies,
1: yeah, and it, that was
2: kinda and of like I could see that kind of pack mentality and how things behave like it, it, made well, it, it, it
1: basically shut off all their inhibitions as well, so right. the idea of climbing on top of others to get to something you don't think twice about it when you're in this zombie mode, where as a human being, we're like, Ooh, that looks dangerous. I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. That's why people would, you know, these zombies would hurl themselves off the building to try to reach a helicopter because right. it there's happen. no fear. There's right. no inhibitions keeping them. I get that. And it, it, like I said, the way it was presented in the film, it definitely made it more, more viable. So the scene, those big CGI scenes did not bother me that much in the film at all when they came up and they were relatively short. And you know, again, most of the scenes were inside an apartment in these darkened hallways mm-hmm. running from one place to another, uh, on a, on a, uh, aircraft carrier, which I thought was kind of an interesting little setup, Abs- you know, absolutely. where basically the families that of the, Critical people, and by critical, like people who actually have some stake in helping solve this issue, mm-hmm. their families were given safe boarding on an aircraft carrier where people who were deemed not essential, basically their families had to get booted off and they right. said they were on their own. I love that dynamic and the fact that they set up Brad Pitt's character, who I don't even remember his name, but it doesn't really matter. Jerry. Jerry, yeah. Or Gary. He's mm-hmm. supposedly an expert in this kind of epidemic and has had dealings with other countries dealing with outbreaks like this. hmm I think the way they set up the drama for him where it wasn't just a matter of I need to save my family. It's okay. If I don't play along and help the military solve this problem, they're going to boot my family off this safe aircraft carrier, drop them into some other country. Lord knows what's going to happen to them. So he's got an automatic, their stakes are very high for him. And I really like the way they set that, that predicament up for him. I Um, I
2: agree. I thought that was really well done. I thought
1: Brad Pitt was fine. I mean, you know, I don't think he, did anything outstanding. I think he was just kind of doing what he had to do in the role. It was your typical action guy movie, but they also didn't make him the big buff action hero. No. There are actually several scenes where he's cowering behind soldiers while they're getting shot up. And he's basically waiting for things to die down before he runs to the next scene. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that as well. That you know, I, I liked one of the things that
2: struck me about this too, was that in this apocalyptic kind of movie with, you know, zombies, usually you're in one place and you see world events happening everywhere else, but you don't actually go to those True. locations. Yep. And this movie, yeah, you know, it's like Philadelphia or New York. And you're like, okay, this is happening. And then he, Brad Pitt basically gets to go globetrotting yeah. and you follow he him. instead of just seeing all these things on TV, you see Korea, you, you see, see Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You see, yeah, Israel and stuff. And you see a place, I think somewhere in the UK, I'm not yep. sure exactly, mm-hmm. but you see all these different places and it's like, Okay, and it gives you a sense of like, yes, you definitely feel it's a global, global.
1: epidemic. They yeah. did, did a good job. I mean, suppose this is one of the most expensive movies like made. And you it. can definitely see the money on the on the screen. They definitely had a lot of good sets going on. They had a lot of. It was a very globe trotting type of film mm-hmm. feel to it. I thought that was good too. I mentioned the ending. I thought the ending it felt a little anticlimactic, but in hindsight, I'm still fine with what they did in the end i think it was a much better way to end the film than what typical hollywood films would do to end the film it was a little low-key the last set piece (sighs) is a little more intimate in this hospital yeah but again given the choice between that and an over-the-top ending i'm definitely fine with the more intimate one yeah
2: yeah with the with the more intimate one that you're describing yeah i was on board with that what i really you know I had two two things with this film yeah. that I did not like. Otherwise, Good. you know, like you're saying, we've agreed on a lot of positive points. The very end of the film, like the very the last, last f- like five minutes, last yeah. shot, um, it's narrated, yeah, and that bothered me. And then it was just so franchise care setting up for a sequel. Yeah, but I, I, I liked the too. last action scene, and that's what you're saying mm-hmm. that kind of turned it on its head. Where it, it happened was in a intimate, hospital, or kind of like yeah, a research, as capability. opposed to like a big CGI. Yeah, yeah all that I liked. But the very last, like, you know, five minutes or whatever, that Uh, that bothered me. It
1: did say, basically, we're letting you know there'll be a World Wars ZZ or whatever they're going to call it (laughs) coming at some point down the road as long as this film does okay.
2: Right. If they could have, I would have respected it much more if they could have just kind of capped it and made it its own thing. And then if they do a sequel, well, okay, because this one made money, but just not make it so blatantly obvious. Yeah. That was a Um, little bit
1: of a letdown. I agree with you on that.
2: And acting wise, I've. I thought Brad Pitt was fine. As you've mentioned, everyone Mm -hmm. else I thought did a good job. There was one character, I don't know his name, but I can describe him to you. He was the one that they were trying to protect, and he was kind of a professor type. Mm -hmm. He was the one weak link that I just – and I don't know if they didn't have time to kind of examine him a little more, but there's this – he has some dialogue with Brad Pitt where they're flying on a plane. He kind of explains, like, about virus and everything. What he was saying was okay, but his delivery of it was like – he was going nuts or something. (laughs) Mm. And he was kind of like joking about things. And I'm
1: kind of like, what, what's going on? Well, They didn't really flesh out that character very much. His his time on screen was fairly short and, uh, he was kind of an odd one to throw in the mix there. Like you did all the other characters seemed pretty grounded in reality. He was a little more out there. And then you got, uh, David Morris, who was playing a, uh, guy locked up in a jail cell almost unrecognizable I mean, i thought he was pretty good i I thought he was good and maybe
2: you know maybe he was trying to communicate the same kind of oh you know we're screwed no matter what it's kind of out of our hand like but he i thought did a good job granted it's david morse so yeah (laughs) david morse is good
1: anyway yeah Yeah. well it sounds like we were both pleasantly surprised by the film because again watching the trailer i would not have given this movie if i wasn't reviewing it for the show and i think you're probably the same way we probably wouldn't have gone to see it right yeah so i'm actually pleasantly surprised i did yeah um I'm actually kind of curious. And I would to pick recommend up, it. I'm you know? actually kind of curious to pick up the book. That's Supposedly right. the book is very different than the movie, but the premise is the same. It's just where the movie we're following this one guy. I don't know if that's quite the case with the book. I, if anybody's read the book and can tell us pros and cons, book versus movie, we'd love to hear you on that. To
2: clarify the setup, Max Brooks wrote the book, and he's yes. the son of Mel Brooks. That's
1: right. <laughs> so. This the director was Mark Forrester. Who did those films you mentioned in the setup? Correct. Uh, The one of the last films he did that I remember was Quantum of Solace, the James Bond film, which Which I did not like. (laughs) So when I that was another reason when I saw the trailer, I am like, really, I have no interest in seeing this film. (laughs) But overall, pleasantly surprised. So you know, hey, if you like a little higher caliber action movie, a little more thought provoking, a little more going for it, this is a good choice for you. Agreed. And they really didn't dwell on I mean, I like the fact too that it wasn't this whole let's watch zombies chew people up. Nope. That was very minimal in the film. Not only because it was a PG thirteen movie and they had to cut out a lot of that stuff, but that wasn't the point of the film. It right. wasn't to see how gory we could make it. It was we just want to prevent this outbreak. We want to stop this rampaging virus that's affecting everybody. So they
2: were and I was really appreciative too, like we I kind of mentioned they don't do they weren't focusing on the horror yeah. or like the scary stuff. There was an instance – and it wouldn't have been scary because you totally knew it was coming. There's an instance on an airfield where a character basically – he dies. And the way they – I was like, oh, they're going to show that and it's going to be with a propeller blade and it's going to be very messy. And actually that didn't happen. Mm. And from the way they were telegraphing, it was almost like, yeah, you think you know what's going to happen. And it doesn't happen that way. And I
1: really appreciated that. Great. Wow. Well, I I tell you what, for me, saying how disappointed I am in Man of Steel and surprised (laughs) I am by World War Z. This is very topsy-turvy episode for me right now. Understood. Let's see how we do going into our third film and final film review. Uh, We're talking about another apocalyptic film. This one, a little bit of a different skew on things. This one, a few more laughs. As we join Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, James Franco, and a slew of other comedian actors in This is the End. The sheriff's office is urging people to stay in their homes right now.
0: Ah! Looting, rioting. For all we know, the Lakers could have just won, and that's the reason why all this is happening. I think it's the apocalypse. It's
1: all in here. And he opened the bottomless pit. The sinkhole. Every single time I turn on the news, sinkhole in South America, a bunch of South Americans
0: getting sucked into the ground. Same cold in my eyes. What you want, son? We should just stay in here, take inventory of all the food we have. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, Nutella, CT Crunch, a Milky Way. Can I have that Milky Way? No, you can't have the Milky Way. It's my special food. I like it. I want some of the Milky Way.
1: I'd be pretty bummed if I don't at least get a bite of the Milky Way. Oh my God! <laughs> so, Chris, this is the end, takes the word meta to a whole new level. The idea that meta is kind of where people in the film kind of know they're in a film or maybe they're portraying themselves to some degree. We certainly have that here where you've got a film starring a group of today's funniest people working in film, or at least a good number of them, okay. having them play themselves. So you know, Jonah Hill is Jonah Hill in this film. Michael Sarah is Michael Sarah, But they're also going to have somewhat exaggerated or skewed versions of themselves in some cases, which we'll go into in the review a bit. Okay. Playing survivors as humankind goes through... What they're calling the rapture, and probably is by the course of the movie. With such a depressing premise, people watching the end of the world and huddling together in a small in a in a house being the last survivors basically on the known world. Hmm. Fair share of gory violence and death mixed in. The main question I gotta ask you here is, did this film make you laugh, Chris? And if so, how much? Did it make me laugh? Yes.
2: I think I may have laughed two or three times. Uh-oh. But row, outside row. <laughs> Outside of that, no, I wasn't a big fan of this film. I thought the the premise was interesting, but I felt like it just didn't deliver, and it fell way short of the hopes, and maybe that's the problem. Hmm. The expectations and the hopes that I had of it was being well-reviewed. It's made a lot of money. Um, It's like 86% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay. And no, I felt like it was nothing more than a— a mashup of a sequel, an American Pie sequel, and a scary movie sequel mashed together. Not the original movies, mind you. The sequels of any of the franchise, and like mashed together. That's what wow. I thought this thing ended up being. Meta. Oh, I wish it was more meta than it was. Started out on the right note and being met, and like making comments about themselves. There were some clever, like you know, movie geek type things, but then it just degenerated into like poop jokes, fart jokes. And, you know, I, I didn't, but they didn't were for funny
1: pooping and fart jokes. <sighs> I thought this movie was really funny. Okay. I, I actually, I don't know what my expectation level going in was, but I think this group of people for the most part are very funny. I enjoyed Jay walking. Show? Yeah. Well, he was a little much, but everybody else I thought was very, very funny. I, I enjoyed it. I had a kick with it. I mean, I went in with very much t- turn your brain off and just kind of soak it up and enjoy it for a while. I thought some of the dialogue, I thought some of the scenes of just them interacting with each other was very, very funny. Hmm. Um, I thought the party scene at the beginning was very funny as well. Just a lot of people playing against their perceptions or types. That's at
2: the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, but that that
1: idea carries through a little (laughs) bit more. I mean, Michael Sarah is kind of a coked up (laughs) sex fiend. That's hilarious. I think that's really funny. And then you've got some other characters kind of playing against type as well. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it actually... I was kind of surprised uh, if some parts it got a little bit of the, the horror movie tropes down pat. I had fun with it. I thought it was a good film.
2: The beginning, the setup, the party scene you're describing, all of that I appreciated. Once basically... Once the rapture happens, once the initial thing happens it starts to slide off. It starts to like go downhill really fast. Hmm. You know, it's like they're doing a slalom and it's like just shooting downhill to where by the end, so it's like the first 20 minutes, okay. After that happens, it starts to go downhill to where I could not wait for the end of the movie. Wow. End of the movie, some of the things I was like, okay, kind of there was a like a laugh or two waiting for me at the end of the movie. So I was oh, glad I thought I, there were a
1: lot of laughs waiting at this. Uh, I was glad that I sat through it. Normally with comedy movies like this, normally the first opening bits very very funny right. and then it always runs a little dry by the end. Sure. I thought this one kept up its pace pretty well. I mean, yeah, it did lose some of the laughs in the latter half of the film compared to the first half, but I still think it kept up a pretty good pace. Well, the the things that I appreciated so that I can see, you know, like you're saying, some of the
2: Hollywood references, they referenced the freaks and geeks type between Franco and, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was like, okay, you know, that's, that's good. Um, the reenactment of Pineapple Express 2. That was funny. Or not yeah. reenactment, I guess it would yeah, be an enactment. Right. Um, that, that was funny. And that was after the apocalypse happened. But yeah, I could not get past Jay Baruchel. He just, well, he, he was, was like, and I guess he's supposed to be. I don't know a lot about him, and I haven't seen him. I know who he is. I've heard the name,
1: and I've seen his face, but he was, he was, was like the,
2: fingernails on the chalkboard. He was the playing the quirky,
1: quirky content. A quota way up to the max, yeah, and I almost think he was—he was the only one that seemed to be acting. Yes, and where the others, I think, were just being just themselves. Uh, themselves. Uh, I hope Jay shells, not that way in real life. And I never, never would, bought
2: the friendship yeah. between him and Rogan. I just never. Well, yeah. you know, and criticism. Yeah. Okay, it's a Seth Rogen movie. I know there's going to be like drug humor. Yeah, I get that. They have the obligatory drug montage between Jay shell and Seth Rogen, kind of at the beginning. That one I was actually fine with. But then they do another one. It was like they were desperately grabbing at straws for content. Like, I know. Let's do another drug montage. Okay. And, like, they did that again. And I was like, really? That's when – actually, that point when they had to rely on that for another comedic thing, I was like, oh, come on, guys. I thought that was just lazy, 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 lazy.
1: I thought this was a fun movie. It's one of those where – there are some scenes you'll want to go back and watch again. If you enjoy the movie, there's, they're funny enough. There's a few scenes I wouldn't mind watching again from it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was an interesting premise to it. I liked the way it ended because it, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, mean, again, I don't want to give away the ending, sure. but it ended on what in some other films would be a very depressing note. I mean, this one actually kind of, Oh, out. it had a fun ending.
2: I think they had a great idea. They had a good beginning and they had a clever end. It was just that middle point where maybe they were ad-libbing a lot and maybe they were just kind of, trying to come up with funny things to happen that I just felt like it fell flat. And you're right with comedies. You kind of expect, you, you know, it's going to be more of a roller coaster than just straight fun all the way through. But the middle of this movie just absolutely died worse than I thought it would.
1: So, wow, well, let me tell you just a couple of things I, I want to call out. And I thought sure. were, I like Danny McBride in this. I thought he was funny. Um, Jonah Hill, not so much. Jonah Hill was weak for me. Danny McBride. Um, I appreciated. Um, I thought Dan McBride was good. I thought Seth Rogen was fine. James Franco, I don't like James Franco. I just don't. Really? I don't really care for him, no. Hmm. And I think he was almost a little more hamming for the camera in this film than maybe the others were, but he didn't bother <laughs> me that bad. I think, um, oh my gosh, what's his name from The Office? Oh, Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson, I thought was really funny. I, I liked he was him good a lot. As well. So anyway, I thought you know that was good stuff, and uh, I, I enjoyed most of the acting. I thought, well, yeah, I don't even want to call it acting. I think it's really a bunch of guys sitting around <laughs> making up ad ad lib scenes and, and dialogue. But I had a fun time watching it. I generally enjoyed being around this group and, and, and enjoying their exploits. So wow. I liked it. I thought it was fun. Huh. So well, okay. So let me get our scorecard together. Sure. For the three. Seen films. three movies. Seen three movies. I really disappointed with one. You were pretty disappointed in another one. Right. We were both pleasantly surprised on the third one. (laughs) So we kind of evened ourselves out a little bit on this whole thing. We did. Oh, interesting. That's a very odd odd set of reviews there. It is. Chris, what we're going to do here, we're going to take a quick little break, and when we come back, uh, we'll also have our recommendation of film for the month and see if there's anything else we want to chat about. Before we wrap up this episode of Foot Candle Films, stay tuned.
0: We'll get back to your show in a moment.
1: Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. Chris, are you still awake? I mean, we went through three... Marathon film reviews it's there. It's the power so, of coffee and caffeine. Yeah, exactly. The coffee, caffeine, it's kicking in. We're still ready to go. We are going to do a few more things here in in this week's episode to cap out the show. We are going to end a little bit here and with our online recommendations of the month, films we think you ought to check out and watch that are maybe available online through streaming or iTunes or some other vehicle. But before we do, Chris, you know, we we typically try to squeeze in a little bit of movie news. We're running a little long today with all the reviews we did, but you did have one item I think you you wanted to bring up or at least talk about, right? I, I did. You know, we talked about usually I do not watch trailers. Yes, you're Mr. Anti Trailer. <laughs> yeah.
2: It it is true. However, I did see a trailer and I can't help but mention it because I think it looks really good. The counselor.
1: Have the you, counselor.
2: Yeah. Have you seen or heard? I, I've
1: heard of it. I haven't seen the trailer for okay, it.
2: The trailer's really good. It's the new movie by Ridley Scott mm-hmm. and it's written by Cormac McCarthy who did No Country for Old Men and he wrote The Road as well. So, you know, he's got pretty good writing under his belt and the stars are pretty, you know, they, they are out for this movie. We mm-hmm. have Brad Pitt, Michael Fassbender, Javier Bardem, Penelope Cruz, um, Cameron Diaz. Wow. And those are just the ones that I know of. <laughs>
1: so, so Fassbender working with Ridley Scott again after yes. uh, after, Prometheus. after Prometheus okay yeah uh, you said Brad Pitt yes Something there interesting Cameron Diaz and Penelope Cruz kind of doing the vanilla sky reteaming <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah interesting there but okay so so Ridley Scott of course you know, his last film was Prometheus right I believe which you unabashedly a big fan of yes yes
2: absolutely I
1: was pretty favorable on it I mean I didn't love it but I thought it was pretty good. All right, it should be interesting. What's, what's the premise of the film? Well,
2: and it's, it's very vague because I don't know if it's even coming out this year. You know, this is an early trailer. It was a teaser trailer, which there again, usually I don't go for when I see the trailers in the theater. So this is mm-hmm. not even in theaters yet. But basically, the storyline, according to IMDb, is a lawyer finds himself in over his head when he gets involved in drug trafficking. So we know because of the credits on IMDb, the lawyer is Michael Fassbender. So okay. he's the counselor. So he kind of gets embroiled in this and it turns out to you know kind of get in over his head. And it's probably going to be kind of crazy. It looks like from the trailer that Brad Pitt plays kind of like a drug dealer who's kind of like, dude, you don't know what you're doing. I'm <laughs> talking mm-hmm. to Fossbender and Javier Bardem from the way he looks kind of crazy. He looks like he may also be <laughs> a drug dealer. Wow. So it, it looks good. And the way it was shot looked very, um, what was that? Deacons, Forget his first name. Roger. Thank you. Roger, Roger Deacons. It looks very Roger Deacons, no country for old Man. It has that feel to it. So okay. I'm excited. I think it's going to be one to check out. Good.
1: Well, I, Hey, I love Ridley Scott. I mean, I've been a fan for years, uh, you know, Back to Blade Runner and mm-hmm. and so many other films. of him have, I really really enjoyed. I mean, I still think. I know Gladiator gets dumped on a little bit. People sometimes I, feel like it's a little. I love Gladiator. I, I think liked it. it's a great I it's, movie. I think
2: it's a good. Movie.
1: Um, so you know, I I'm on board. I mean, he's had a few misses here and there, but I think he's still he's still turning them out at a good pace right now. Some good quality films. So, and I'm a big fan of Fassbender. I'll pretty much see anything he's in right now these days. Okay. Uh, he hasn't had a a misfire that I've noticed yet. As far as his work. So great. That sounds interesting. Well, one other trailer, I'll just since we're talking trailers a little bit. Sure. Just throw out there. And I know I I forced you to watch this trailer, even though I know you're anti trailer, but (laughs) um The Wolf of Wall Street is the new Martin Scorsese film that is uh I think it's coming out maybe this winter. uh, Um December. November, yeah, November, December. Again, Leonardo DiCaprio as uh, that seems to be, that is now Martin Scorsese's Robert to, De Niro. I mean, yeah, that is his absolutely. guy that every film he makes now, I think is going to have Leonardo DiCaprio. I was waiting to see when Leonardo DiCaprio was going to get on stage during the Rolling Stones documentary that Martin Scorsese <laughs> Just did. Just kind of walk I out felt like was, He needed to be there. Sure. Um, but this one looks like it's a more of a modern day telling of some of the corporate greed of Wall Street type of story based on a, on a book. The, the trailer is very well done. I, a very Agreed. exciting trailer. Of course, it's a trailer. I kind of see them as their own little pieces of art. And you know, the trailer itself was a well-made trailer. Agreed. Whether it's going to translate to a full-length good movie, I don't know. We'll find out soon. But I do encourage you, if you do like watching trailers, unlike Mr. Chris here, uh, and you like <laughs> Martin Scorsese films or just like to see a good energetic trailer, well-cut, well, uh, well-placed with music, that's the one to check out.
2: I agree. It, it was a very good trailer. And I'm on the same beam with you about things being trailers can be works of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where I'd rather not have my expectations built up. Cause then I just really get disappointed in movies. Another one I can think I would just mention really quickly on that line. We should actually maybe talk about trailers sometime and kind of give some of our favorites. I oh, think that'd, that'd, be, a, be, fun. that'd yeah. be a fun thing to not, not necessarily have a top some five, but just listen, yeah. one that immediately pops to my mind that ended up not spoiling the movie for me and was amazing was the social network trailer that yes. featured the radiohead song like that was just perfect Absolutely yeah, was with the perfect. chorus
1: singing creep right. and uh, yeah right that was just that was genius. because that was a well crowd it was crafted to be a trailer as opposed to hey we have all this footage let's just cut it up and make it look good right and let's take the best parts of what we shot and put it together into two and a half minutes uh, when they really put care and attention into a trailer, it pays off and it's memorable. Yeah. I've got a few others too, but you know what? Let's make that a, let's make that a news item for one of our upcoming episodes. And
2: I'd just like to mention briefly, just something, a concern that I can maybe predict for that movie. Mm -hmm. I think the movie probably will be good. It is Martin Scorsese, but watching that trailer and I liked it. I wonder if there's going to be any Gatsby backlash towards that movie, because if you think about it, I know you haven't seen Gatsby, but you've heard me talk about it, and you kind of know the storyline. It's very similar. Gatsby Mm -hmm. is this really rich guy that kind of plays outside the rules and has all this stuff, and this trailer is a very similar guy that's kind of, you know, he's big time, and he has Mm -hmm. all this money, and he does similar things, and I was like, huh, I wonder... I wonder if there's going to be any people like, oh, we've just seen Leonardo DiCaprio in the same role. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just mm. curious. To see yeah, it'd be that'd be very
1: interesting to see. But I, I love Martin Scorsese. I think he's still my favorite filmmaker working today. Okay. As far as overall quality of work and just the fact that he still, people could argue maybe he's not exactly where he was back in the late 70s, early 80s. I say he may not be exactly there, but he's pretty darn close. He's I mean, good. I'm a big fan of The Aviator. I'm, I think I'm one <laughs> of the few, but I love that film. I thought Gangs of New York was really good. I just uh, yeah, I'm, I, I love his films, really do. So I'm excited about this one. Looking okay. forward to it. Okay, let's move on to our recommendations. Now these are where we like to talk about films that maybe you're not aware of, maybe they've slid uh, by you past your radar when they came out, or just ones that it's good to bring back up over af- over time. Uh, and but hopefully these are all ones that you can actually find online, whether you got to rent it, buy it, stream it, whatever it may be. It's all available to watch at your home TV anytime you want to. Is kind of the message here. So, Chris, uh, let me toss it over to you first. What's your uh, recommendation for us this week?
2: I am going to recommend highly the 2007 film from Jeff Nichols, Shotgun Stories. Oh, you did see that. And yes, I did. And it it stars Michael Shannon, who Mm -hmm. we talked about his role in the Man of Steel as Zod. And in this film, he plays a brother who... He, it's a family that his father was kind of a mysterious figure and he dies at the very beginning of the movie and he and his brothers attend the father's funeral and they were half brothers and he had another family, kind of another life that he started after he basically abandoned Michael Shannon and his brothers. Mm-hmm. The funeral is a very ugly, <laughs> ugly scene. Basically wow. he ends up spitting on the father's grave and it gets kind of out of hand and a fight starts. And basically in a way it's kind of like a Shakespeare tale told in modern day arkansas because you can tell like things aren't going to go well there's going to be a fight and things get out of hand and it's really well done but you know obviously it was 2007 it was one of jeff nichols i think it was his first film so things are very low budget and indie but man is it is it good i can't recommend it enough
1: Okay, so that's with Jeff Nichols. Yes. That was his first film.
2: Yeah, and we talked about, Mudd, which we talked about Mud, which is his most recent one. And
1: we also did a review of Take Shelter. This is uh, true. A couple year or two ago mm-hmm. when that came out. So is that all three of the films he's come out with? I believe so. Each so time Michael you're, Shea. All you you're in favor of, you're a big fan of. Yes. Great. Well, I, I, Mud, you know, we talked about Mud already, and mm-hmm. I'm still, as I look back through my films for the year so far, that's still coming up as one of the highest rated films for me of ones I've seen. So, yeah, it has made me want to go back and check out Shotgun Stories because I haven't seen that one yet. And it's
2: so. available streaming on Netflix and also purchase or rent in iTunes. So I'd highly recommend it.
1: Perfect. Very nice. Okay. Uh, mine is completely a 180. From okay. Yours. <laughs> As I was looking through my list of films that, that I like um, and maybe others don't, um, <laughs> I found one <laughs> that – Okay. I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan. Okay. Love Saturday Night Live. I'm the kind of guy, I I stay up till 11.35 to watch uh, Saturday Night Live when it's live. Uh, I've even got my 11-year-old kind of excited about it a little bit. Sometimes he'll even uh, try to stay up with me to watch at least the first few minutes. Sure. I just, I can tell you quotes from skits. I mean, I, I love live skit comedy shows. Okay. But when Saturday Night Live tries to go into movies. It can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. Mostly misses a few hits. You got your Blues Brothers. You got your first Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. A few that work out pretty good. Most of the time though, they're very forgettable. Try to take this one skit idea and do you develop like it,
2: Night at the Roxbury? No, I'm not going to mention okay. that one.
1: I've actually never seen that one. <laughs> okay, um, I hated the skit as it was in gotcha. Saturday Night Live. I had no desire to see that for ninety minutes. <laughs> okay, no, uh, I am talking about the film MacGruber. Ah. All right, so let's just kind of hang with me here. I've heard
2: that's kind of polarizing, too. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, it is. MacGruber, MacGruber was an ongoing skit on Saturday Night Live where it's basically a takeoff on MacGyver. Gotcha. It's the guy who can solve anything with just some paper clips and erasers and whatever he can find laying around. This idea that he can take these things and make a bomb out of it or mm-hmm. something like that. So they had this ongoing gag skit on Saturday Night Live where it's just a quick... They're right in the middle of a crisis. A bomb's getting ready to go off unless he can do these things. And, and it's a very quick little gag. It was funny the first few times you saw it. The skit ran a little long throughout the seasons. You know, they kept going back to the well on it. Sure. So when who's they announced the, – Who's the main – It's Will Forte. Will Forte. Who okay. I think is really funny. I think right. he's a very talented comedian. So anyway, so they made a movie out of this. And the first when I heard the movie was being made, it's like, oh, gosh. Here they go again. <laughs> taking a little skit idea that was funny in small little doses – Mm-hmm. Turning it into an a hour and a half film, it's a bad idea. This film doesn't completely work. Okay. But I will say I probably laughed harder in this film than most films sitting in the theater watching. Okay. Uh, will Forte stars as MacGruber. Uh, Kiss, uh, Kristen Wiig, this is one of her first feature films, you okay. know, where she got a big role. Uh, stars as his ex-girlfriend, Vicky St. Elmo. <laughs> I just love the names anyway. <laughs> that is an awesome is your bad guy. Oh. Um, okay. Val Camber. Looking a little large, Val Kilmer. Just gonna say, <laughs> this is Val Kimmer, uh not quite in his prime, but okay. they kind of play off that a little bit. And you've got Ryan Ryan Phillippe is that his name okay, Ryan Phillippe, yeah. uh, kind of as the straight guy with <laughs> MacGruber. So, okay. the four of them are kind of making up this whole movie. Even just reading back through some of the quotes that a websites put up of a lot of the quotes from the movie, I mean, they're hilarious. They are okay. just funny lines. It's really well written. I will say, probably one of the laugh out loud funniest sex scenes. Okay. I think I've seen in a film. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Um, it's, it's gross. It's a lot of, uh, how do we say it with this is poop the jokes. End. <laughs> poop jokes. Um, not for the faint of heart in some places, okay. very vulgar in many places, but I will say as far as Saturday night lives, get movie ideas go. I think it was pretty good. Now is it um,
2: available for streaming or is it just on? iTunes? I don't remember
1: if it's streaming or not. Okay. I'll have to check and see, but I do know it's uh, of course it's available on iTunes. Sure. but Uh, it is If you like dumb comedy, if you like a little more scatological comedy, if you <laughs> like um, just absurdist comedy, Sure, this one's actually got something for you, I think. I think it's worth seeing. Now, it is very polarizing. If you look on all the review sites, yeah, it's pretty much half-hate-it, half-love-it. <laughs> okay. It's developed a little bit of a cult status. There's even been some rumors circulating through Will Forte that they're working on a sequel down the road. Really? Okay. But he's even joked and said that if, he, if they do the sequel, it's going to be the lowest-budget movie ever made. Like basically we're going to make it for nothing and just awesome. get it out there, which I, I like that as well. Cool. So I'm anyway.
2: interested in that. I'd it's Totally true. forgotten about it.
1: It plays pretty well with the common tropes of he's a recluse hero that used to be a big hero, but now he's gone to like some India country out in, <laughs> out in middle East to like to worship and hang out with Buddhists or whatever. And has to be <laughs> brought out of retirement. Okay. They totally play with all those typical action hero trope things. And, uh, Interesting. I will say, and it's, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's just I think one of the most cleverest things is they do a whole montage early in the film where he has to assemble his team. Okay. Okay, This the whole thing is you get to put together your team. And he's like, I want the best. He's like, I'm going to pull together my old classic team and we're going to go out and help do this. (laughs) So they do the whole montage where he goes to all these different places. One guy's working in a metal shop somewhere, you know, Hmm. it's the typical, he McGruber walks in, the guy sees him and lowers his helmet. And it's like, you know, nods his head like, Oh yeah, we're back on the team again. So you go through this whole montage and you get them all compiled in this Jeep as they're going to go drive to the mission. Nice. And then the Jeep blows up. (laughs) Killing all of them, like within minutes after he just spent all this montage time assembling the team. Awesome. And it's just his reaction to that happening and just the fact that you just watch this whole assembly part and now it's just (laughs) completely blown up. I think it's hilarious. I this, think that's just the kind of comedy. If you thought that concept is funny that I just described, yeah, you probably get a kick I, out of I some think, of the movies. I
2: think this movie is going to resonate with me.
1: <laughs> I have an idea it's going to work. All right. So anyway, check it out. Okay. Check it out. I, we will trade. I, I want to watch Shotgun Stories. Okay. You can watch MacGruber, and we'll see how we, each of us like those. So. Deal. Well, Chris, I think that about wraps it up for today. So we reviewed three movies, mm-hmm. um, Superman Well, Man of Steel. Uh, we talked about World War Z and we talked about this is the end. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like our opinions were kind of all over the place on those. I'm saying thumbs down on Man of Steel. You seem fairly uh, positive on it. Yeah. Uh, we were both positive on World War Z. I was positive on this is the end. You were not. Me not so much. Um, so we got a little good mixture there. We talked a little bit about uh, Ridley Scott's latest movie coming out soon. And then we also talked about uh, our two recommendations, uh, McGruber and shotgun stories. Mm-hmm. It's like a pretty good, well-rounded episode. I feel so. pretty good about stuff. So uh, what we'll do is we'll get back together here in a couple more weeks. We'll have some more films to review. We'll have some more things and discuss uh, things to talk about in the film community or movie world. Uh, but until then you can always go back and listen to any of our older episodes or just uh, go back and reference anything we talked about in previous episodes by visiting the that's T H E M E S H.tv. TV Go there and you can check out not only Foot Candle Films and see our past archives, but also check out any other show we've got on the Mesh Network. We've got everything from business shows, entertainment shows, um, education, music, everything you can imagine. We've got some shows to cover those sports, um, a lot of good shows to cover. So you just go on the website, you find the show you like, you look at the episodes, you play them right there in your web browser, or you can always go to Apple iTunes and download the episodes or even better, subscribe to the show. We would love to have you subscribe to this show Foot candle films in iTunes or any other podcast reader that you use by subscribing. What that basically means is that every time we put out a new episode, it gets pushed to you automatically through your web, your uh, podcast player
2: makes it easy,
1: makes it easy. You don't have to go to the website and try to find it or see when we post a new episode, uh, it gets pushed to you automatically. So just go to iTunes, find foot candle films, hit the subscribe button. And that way you're guaranteed that every time we put out a new episode of movie goodness, it is going to get pushed right to your computer without you having to do a single thing. So, with that, we're going to wrap it up. If you got any comments or questions for us, you can reach us on themesh.tv through the contact form. Also, go check out footcandle.org and see uh, what kind of film screenings we're doing here in Western North Carolina. We put together a special screening once a month here in the local area, uh, and then we talk about the films afterwards. So, love to have you come join us or at least uh, check out and see what we're doing. So, until next time, Chris. See you in the ticket line. All right, take care, everyone.